here. Come and fill not only this place, but each of our individual hearts anew. And teach us this morning what it means to seize the moment for the sake of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I came across a story about a young private named Albert Hagen, a young soldier, and his commanding officer named Sergeant Richard Little. It was Christmas time, and the army had granted a five days leave to the soldiers so that they could be with their families. Private Hagen and Sergeant Little got on a train together. And the only seats available on the train were at the very back of the passenger car and directly across from a very attractive young woman who was traveling with her grandmother. As they engaged in pleasant conversation, Private Hagen and the young woman kept eyeing one another, and it was pretty obvious that he was attracted to her and she was attracted to him. Suddenly, the train went into a tunnel and the passenger car became pitch black. So Private Hagen decided to seize the moment. Immediately, two sounds were heard, the smack of a kiss and the whack of a slap across the face. The grandmother thought to herself, I can't believe he kissed my granddaughter, but I'm glad she slapped him. He deserved it. The beautiful young girl thought to herself, I'm really glad that handsome soldier kissed me, but I wish my grandmother hadn't slapped him for doing it. (laughs) Sergeant Little thought to himself, well, I really don't blame the boy for kissing that pretty girl, but it's a shame that she missed his face and slapped me instead. <laughs> As the train exited the tunnel and broke out into the sunlight, Private Hagen just could not wipe the big smile off of his face. He had just seized the opportunity to kiss a pretty girl and slap his commanding officer at the same time. And he got away with both. Now that's seizing the moment, huh? Well, today we are going to talk about how to seize the moment, but we're not talking about kissing or slapping anybody, okay? We are talking about how to seize the moment to share the message of God's love with someone who needs to hear it. In our sermon series on the book of Acts, we come today to the eighth chapter. Uh, By a little bit of review, we may recall that back in chapter 7, we heard how Stephen, one of the early deacons of the church, was stoned to death for his bold sharing of the gospel message about Jesus the Savior. And so chapter 8 begins with that story in mind. I'm going to read the first five verses to start. It says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. 
those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. Let's pause there for a moment. We recall from back in chapter 1 of the book of Acts, in verse 8, we got the table of contents in the words of Jesus when he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He was giving us the table, Luke was giving us the table of contents for the book of Acts when he quoted Jesus with those words. Because the first seven chapters of the book are all about how the gospel message spread throughout the city of Jerusalem. And chapters 8 through 11, 18 are about how the gospel began to spread out from Jerusalem to the surrounding regions. I want to put a map of Palestine from the New Testament times up on the screen for a moment. So the city of Jerusalem is just to the west of the Dead Sea. It's in the red dot with the white star there. That's where the church began. That's where Jesus was crucified. That's where he rose from the dead. And that's where the gospel spread first. But then the believers were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. And so the gospel began to spread outward to the surrounding regions. Judea to the south and west of Jerusalem. And then a little further north to the region of Samaria. And we're told in this part of the chapter that a man named Philip went down to Samaria. We look at a map, we think that's up because it's north. Down means he went downhill because Jerusalem is a higher topographical elevation than Samaria. He went down from Jerusalem to Samaria to proclaim the Christ there. In verse 4 here it says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now we have this recurring pattern that we've spoken of before taking place where the, the, the uh, believers proclaim the gospel, they're met with opposition or persecution, and the result is growth, proclamation, opposition, and growth. Here, they were being persecuted after the, the stoning of Stephen. A great persecution broke out in Jerusalem. They were scattered to other places, and we're told that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Let me pause here and just ask a question. Do you see yourself as a missionary wherever you go? Whether it's because of persecution or not. Wherever you go, do you see yourself as a missionary? That's really our calling, isn't it? Whether we're going on vacation, we're going to work, we're going down the street in our neighborhood, we're going to the grocery store, wherever we might be, we are Jesus to the world. We are a missionary on a mission to share the message of Christ with anyone who will listen. So my overarching question for the day this morning is this. How might you seize the moment to tell someone about Jesus? That's what we want to consider today. How do we seize the moment to tell someone about Jesus? And I want us to do kind of a case study of an incident that took place in the early church, it's recorded in the latter part of chapter 8 of Acts, and it concerns this man, Philip, and a gentleman that he runs into who's simply described as an Ethiopian eunuch, an official from the country of Ethiopia in East Africa. And as we take a look at this case study, 
Uh, I'm going to make four observations or, or highlight four lessons on seizing the moment for telling others about Jesus. And hopefully this will be practical help for all of us as we seek to be better and better witnesses for Jesus in our everyday life. First of all, who was this Philip that is mentioned in Acts 8? Well, he is mentioned earlier, back in chapter 6, as one of those seven men that, was, that were chosen to take on the tasks of the business of the church, if you will, uh, to tend to the needs of the people so that the apostles could be freed to carry on the ministry of the word. So Philip was one of the deacons, if you will. He was not an apostle. He was not an elder or a pastor. He was a layman, like most of you, a layman. And he was used by God to be a witness for Jesus. When persecution broke out in Jerusalem, we're told he went down to Samaria, and there he proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. Now, we come to the latter part of the chapter, and we're going to take a look at this case study of this meeting between Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. Starting with verse 26, I'm just going to read a short section. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Let's pause there for just a second in our case study of Philip and how he witnesses to this man. A little bit about this Ethiopian. We're not told his name. Obviously, he is a Gentile from Africa, from the land of Ethiopia. He was an important official in charge of the treasury, in charge of the funds for the queen of Ethiopia, uh, it mentions Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Candace is not a personal name. Candace is a title, much like pharaoh or king or president, ruler. She was the Candace of Ethiopia, and Luke gives us the explanation that's the equivalent of a queen. The Candace, the queen of Ethiop- the Ethiopians. This man represented her. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship Yahweh, the God of the Israelites. Undoubtedly, he had come into contact with Jewish people in a Jewish community located not far from his land of Ethiopia. He had come into contact with them and had learned something about Yahweh and was eager to worship the true God. So he traveled to Jerusalem to the temple where he was able to enter as far as the court of the Gentiles to worship Yahweh. And evidently, during the time that he was there, he acquired a copy, uh, a scroll of the book of Isaiah. And now he's traveling back toward his homeland. He's on a desert road south of Jerusalem, heading back toward Ethiopia, heading toward the town of Gaza. Let's put the map back up on the screen for just a moment. 
So he leaves Jerusalem, goes south out into the desert. He's going to head southwest. You see Gaza on the Mediterranean Sea coast. He's going to head that direction and then eventually continue southwest across the Sinai Peninsula to the, uh, to the uh, continent of Africa, back to his homeland. But while he's out in the desert, somewhere south of Jerusalem, he's in his chariot and he's reading the Isaiah scroll. While he's, while he's there, God has something in mind. God sends an angel. The word for angel in Greek means messenger. And this messenger, this angel, comes to Philip with an instruction that Philip is to go down that same desert road. And once he gets down on that road, the Holy Spirit himself directs him to go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, I think there's something important in this first section. This is a divine appointment taking place here. God set this up. God set an appointment between Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch because God wanted to bring the message, the full message of the Savior to this man from Africa. And I think there's a first lesson to draw from this as we think about seizing our moments to tell others about Jesus the Savior. And the first point is this. Be alert to divine appointments. Be alert to the divine appointments that God may set in your daily life. Now, you may not hear a message from heaven orally. An angel might not appear to you in your house. But you know how God works sometimes. He opens up doors of opportunity and there is a person in front of you. He sets an appointment between you and that person to share the message. I want to tell you a little true story about a divine appointment I'm convinced of happened in my life quite a few years ago in the early part of my ministry. My wife and I were on an airplane getting ready to travel from Los Angeles back to where I was serving in Florida. And as we were on the airplane, I noticed that in the row just ahead of us and across the aisle was a young man in his military greens. And he was bent over and he was crying sitting in this chair on the airplane, crying. Couldn't have been more than about 18. And I saw this as a divine appointment opportunity. And I reached out to the young man, and I just said, hey, it looks like you're having a rough day. And he began to talk. I I said that I'm a Lutheran pastor. Would you like to talk? And he said, yeah, I would. He went on to explain that he was heading off to Army boot camp in North Carolina, And he was leaving his beloved loved one, his girlfriend, behind and didn't know how long he'd be away from her. And it was uh, kind of a tough time in his life. And he was breaking down crying. And I just took the opportunity to encourage him, to befriend him. And uh, we talked about uh, faith. And he talked about the fact he'd grown up in the church. And I just reminded him of what he already knew, that God loved him. And that God showed his love for him most clearly at the cross of his Savior Jesus. And over the course of the conversation, he kind of brightened up and he sat up and, and he was feeling okay and, and uh, talked about how he's feeling a little more, more at peace. I believe it was a divine appointment, an opportunity to seize the moment to reach out to someone who is hurting. We continue in the story, this case study with Philip. It says in verse 30, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. 
Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Let's pause there in the story. You get the picture. Philip is there because of this divine appointment. He overhears this this Ethiopian man reading from Isaiah out loud. He approaches him, no doubt cautiously and carefully and gently, and simply asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading? And the man was receptive to the question. No, how can I unless someone explains it? Evidently, Philip did a good job of listening to what this man was saying. He built rapport with this man to the point where the man invites him up into his chariot and they have a conversation. I think there's something to pick up from that. That in addition to uh, watching for divine appointments, when you have these appointments, be first ready to ask questions and listen more than talk. Ask questions. Find out what's going on in their life. Listen to what they have to say. Show compassion and build rapport with the person. Show them that you're an approachable, friendly person and that you're interested in what's going on in your life. In other words, friends, this really isn't rocket science. It's really just being people of God human people who care about other people. It's being yourself. It's being friendly, and it's being genuinely interested in what's going on in the lives of other people. Let's continue with the story. Verse 32, the eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice, Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch then asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. The passage he was reading from was from Isaiah chapter 53 that marvelous chapter that describes the suffering Savior, stricken, smitten, and afflicted, that chapter, the one that describes what Jesus went through. And the eunuch simply says, tell me, who's the prophet talking about, himself or somebody else? Wow, there's a wide-open gate you could drive a truck through, huh? There's an opportunity to seize the moment. And what does Philip do? He connects the eunuch's question with the cross of Jesus. He begins with where this Ethiopian man is at and proceeds to take him from that point to Jesus. I think that's a third important lesson, that when we're talking with people, start where they are and then lead them to Jesus. Start where they are and lead them to Jesus. No doubt what Philip did as he started with where this eunuch was reading in Isaiah, and he went on to explain that who Isaiah was speaking of was the promised Messiah of Israel who came in the person of Jesus Christ, who had given his life on a cross, who rose from the dead to accomplish our salvation. No doubt he explained that if this Ethiopian believed in Jesus as his Savior, his sins were forgiven. 
But he started where he was at, and he led him to the cross. One of the phrases I like to use to do that, to take some from where they are to the cross of Jesus, is to say, in the circumstance you're dealing with, I want you to know God loves you. And he proved how much he loves you at the cross. When Jesus gave his life, there we see the immensity of God's love for you. Jesus died for you to forgive your sins and to give you the gift of eternal life. Through faith in him, you are on your way to heaven. Let me tell you another true story of uh, where I was able to help someone from where they were and bring them to the cross of Jesus Christ. I was going through some evangelism training in in, uh, central St. Louis a number of years ago. And uh, on one particular day, we were standing out on the street corner by the convention center, downtown St. Louis, and there were hundreds of teenagers who had come for a convention uh, there. And we were handing out little brochures that told the message of Jesus in a way that connected with teenagers, and they were pretty eager to get it and interested in asking questions and so on, having a good time. Then off to my left, I hear an adult female voice say, I'd like one of those. And I turned and looked. It was a female St. Louis police officer, a bicycle police officer. And at first I thought, I wonder if she's serious. I wonder if she's getting ready to run me off. But she was serious about wanting one of those brochures. And she rolled her bike over to where I was. And she began to talk to me and ask me questions. And she was seriously interested. We got to talking, and I discovered what was going on in her life. I started where she was at. She talked about the fact that she'd grown up in the Roman Catholic Church but had some bad experiences and and in her own personal life was carrying a lot of guilt and shame about things that she'd done in her life, didn't know how to get rid of that. We talked for quite a bit, and then she asked me this rather profound question. She said, how do I know if I'm good enough to be forgiven? And I looked her in her eyes eyes, and I said, if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you're already forgiven. Her eyes welled up in tears and we talked a little bit more. She got a smile on her face. She rode off on her police bicycle onto her next assignment. I never saw her again. I've been praying for Christy for 16 years. And I'm praying that someday I'll see her in heaven. It's just a matter of seizing the moment and connecting someone from where they are to the cross of Jesus who died to forgive their sins. Let's look at the last section of Acts chapter 8 in this particular story, what I call the rest of the story. As they traveled along the road, Philip and this eunuch, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, Here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Asotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Philip seized the moment and planted the seed of the gospel in the heart of this man. And that gospel seed took root. 
the Holy Spirit went to work. The Holy Spirit made that seed of faith grow in the heart and soul of that man. Philip must have done a pretty good job of uh, leading a confirmation class right there, as it evidently he covered the whole gamut of uh, Christianity, including the meaning of baptism, because they see some water, and the man himself says, look, there's water. What should stop me from being baptized? And Philip baptized him. By the way, that makes an interesting point. Philip, a layman, baptizes this man. There may come a time, friends, in an emergency situation where you're called upon to baptize somebody. For example, and this has happened to me, you're at a hospital, and the nurse comes out of a room and says, we have a code blue baby here is about to die. Is there anyone here who can apply Christian baptism? And there you are. You don't have time to call your pastor. You need to baptize that baby. Just ask for some water. Apply it to its forehead and just say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that is as valid as a baptism done in the largest cathedral of Europe. I would just ask that you come and tell us that this happened so we can celebrate, celebrate with the whole church, you see. Philip seized the moment, and he baptized this Ethiopian man, and presumably this man went back to Africa and brought the gospel for the first time to the continent of Africa. Today, there are more Christians in Africa than in the United States. There are more Lutheran Christians in Ethiopia today than in the United States. The gospel has been spreading. This man brought it. It was all by the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's the fourth point. We need to trust the Holy Spirit to be working behind the scenes when we seize the moment and share the gospel about Jesus Christ. Today's Pentecost Sunday. Today's the day when we're celebrating the work that the Holy Spirit does. We don't convert anybody. We simply plant the seeds. The Holy Spirit makes that seed grow. But we need to be willing to plant the seed of the gospel when we have the opportunity. Jesus said in that gospel lesson today, the wind blows where it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Friends, the Holy Spirit is indeed ready and waiting to do his thing. And he's looking to you and to me to be his witnesses, to plant the seed of the gospel. Are you ready to seize the moment as it arises? Jesus said to his disciples centuries ago, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Let me ask you, are we fishers of men or merely keepers of the aquarium? Yes, we need to gather in the aquarium of the church, but we need to go out into the world and fish for people and lead others to Jesus that they too may spend eternity with us. Paul writes to the Ephesians, be very careful then how you live, making the most of every opportunity. In other words, seize every moment you have to share the simple message of Jesus' love. I like the exhortation that Mordecai gave to his cousin Esther, recorded in the book of Esther in the Old Testament. Esther was the queen of Persia, married to the king, and there was a plot that someone had put into place to wipe out all the Jews in Persia. Esther had an opportunity to go to her husband, the king, and ask the king to do something about it to prevent the annihilation of the Jews in Persia. There was some risk at doing that. She was a little hesitant to do that. But her cousin Mordecai encourages her with these words. Who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Friends, who knows 
But perhaps you have come into a special position for just such a time as this to seize the moment to reach out to someone you know who needs Jesus. When it comes to being a witness for Jesus Christ, I don't recommend kissing or slapping anybody. Okay, that's not a good approach. But I do highly recommend these four things. Be alert to the divine appointments that God sets around us every day. Secondly, ask questions, listen well, and build rapport with the person with whom you're speaking. Thirdly, start where they are at and gradually lead them to the cross, to Jesus the Savior. And finally, trust the Holy Spirit to be the one who's working in the background, behind the scenes, to make that gospel seed grow. Ready, set, seize the moment. For Jesus' sake, amen.